Welcome back, everybody. We're here for another episode of the Wolverine Buzz, and today we have a special episode. We have a special guest. Her name is January Walker. She is running for Congress, I believe, in the 4th District. Yep, U.S. Congress for the 4th District. Awesome. And we also have our editor-in-chief, Matthew. Good to hear from you guys. Yes. Literally. <laughs> he just waved. Just for everybody that's listening, he just waved. That's amazing. I, I, got, I got to feel him in the room, you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. But we're really excited to have both of these guests here today, and so we're just going to dive in. Um, January, you were a, you're a graduate of UVU, correct? I am a graduate of UVU. Wow. And so when did you graduate? I graduated... Gosh, what year are we in? 2022? I graduated in 2021. So last year. Yeah, just recently. But I started a long time ago, and then like many of the students, <laughs> left, came back, you know. Okay. Yeah. Came back and finished it off. Exactly. I, f- I figured, why not polish this stuff off? Um, my last semester, my last two semesters, I was, do- I was doing like 18 credit hours. So, oh, you know, wow. we were just going nonstop. <laughs> I can relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Many people can, I'm oh, sure, especially absolutely. a lot of our listeners. For sure. Well, that's really cool. And what did you graduate in or what was your degree in? I graduated in business with minors in economics and finance. I could have picked up those minors if I had stayed in one more semester, but by the end of it, I admit I was kind of just ready to, (laughs) you know, say, okay, this is nice. Let's go (laughs) be done. (laughs) You're ready to be done. Yeah. Well, awesome. And now you are running for Congress. Yes. So finishing up my degree was a huge part of being able to run for Congress. And okay. the the reason is because the majority of the people that are in elected office are degree holders. And to be taken seriously as a candidate, I mean, even though we, we all understand that, that there's uh, utilization and, and use, useful skills outside of our degrees, uh, it just kind of helps to, to have that formality on paper. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's sort of interesting, too. I feel like it's really cool for our listeners as well as that. I mean, you got your degree in 2021 and now here you are running for Congress. I mean, is that sort of like a surreal thing to you? Uh, it is kind of. I mean, when you say it like that, definitely surreal. It's it's kind of cool, though, I think, because it shows you that, uh, you know, really you can accomplish whatever you want. And you, as you are today, have the ability to go what after whatever your dream is or or whatever thing you want to give back to the community is. Absolutely. Let's let's just dive into the campaign, um, which has been pretty interesting thus far. You had a debate here with the Utah State Debate Commission. I did. Um, with Darlene McDonald, the Democratic candidate. Um, Representative Owens didn't show up to the debate. He did not. Um, how, what was your overall feel of the debate? Uh, my, my overall feel of the debate, like from a strategy standpoint or... Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, from, an, from even with a, not having a candidate show up for a debate even as well, mm-hmm. like what was your just overall take of the night? Yeah. So I, I think that like, if we look at this from a, a purely strategic political lens, not showing up, he was never going to show up in the first place. Like my opinion is, and I said this during the debate, he's been in very controlled environments from the beginning. So, you know, it works out and it doesn't at the same time. Um, you know, the uh, the other candidate, Darlene, she's an awesome woman and, uh, you know, like very, very friendly. So it's it's near uh, impossible to to attack her because she's just so kind. Right. And at the end of the day, you know, everybody's friends in politics like they may have different colors that, that they wear, 
but um, you you all have to work together and you're all friends and not a lot of people just hate each other. So so that's something to keep in mind when when you look up at that debate stage. Uh, some other things like from the debate standpoint, I feel like we presented very well. A lot of times when people think of third parties, they don't think of individuals that can carry a conversation or debate points or very or do a very good job differentiating themselves. Right. And I think that we did that. Um, at the end, though, I actually got kind of thrown off a little bit because there's a clock that you watch and they didn't they didn't turn on my clock at the, right, for the last right. question. So the I little got thingamajig to, that keeps yeah. you on track, right? <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, wait, you're wanting me to end? And then it was like 30 seconds. And I was like, there's no way it could be 30 seconds. So I got completely thrown off and, and messed up my last answer. But I think that that's, that's fine ultimately, you know? Yeah. And that sort of actually leads into one of the questions I want to talk to you about um, in terms of independence. I mean, we have Evan McMullen right now running for the Senate, Mm -hmm. um, which has been a very contentious race. Um, What do you think the role of independents are in um, elections in general? Many people levy the um, criticism that, I mean, independents are throwaway votes or things like that. Or some people will say that it's a legitimate um, op. op alternative right. to either the Democrats or the Republicans. So what, what's your own take on that? Yeah. So I, I think that this is the best question that you could have asked. And the reason is, is because it, so Utah is one of the top five most moderate states in the country. So there might be, you know, people that say, oh, independents are a throwaway vote. But in actuality, we are not. So so Utah overall is 40 percent registered moderate. Uh, they're 41 percent conservative and then 15% democrat with the rest of it kind of sprinkled in right to the to the rest right. of those numbers even in Utah's 4th district by registration 40% moderate if you go into the younger generations so for the last 9 years uh, this is so this is individuals that are 18 to 27 they outregister both republicans and democrats as purple individuals mm. and so a so voting for independent voting for moderate in utah is not a waste of a vote here and that's something that's this narrative that's been perpetuated but i think that that our future is going is not going to have the major parties in it and i think that that's going to start happening you know starting now over the next 10 easily 15 years you're going to see a huge shift as uh, 70% of Congress ages out. Do you think uh, political polarization uh, plays a part in that as well? I mean, people take a yeah. look at the Republicans and Democrats and sort of see like, the con- I mean, because it's the one, pe- it's the parties that people most see. So do you yes. think that plays a role in it? Yeah, the the polarization or the extreme polarization of the parties, and this happens on both ends, right? They have their different marketing messages, but they have moved towards the outskirts. And so you you leave this huge gap of unrepresented people in the middle. So, so it's, I was looking at this, it's like 20% of, so what we fight about is about 20% of the policy, right? But if we agree on 80%, why aren't we focusing on that 80% and actually accomplishing things? And the reason is, is because that 20% is great manipulation topics and it gets you votes and it gets you money. It makes it easier to campaign. So let's actually talk a little bit about your campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, we were saying this before we actually went and recorded. We were talking about how your campaign is sort of technologically sort of themed. Like, for example, I was reading a little bit about your campaign promises. Like with you say you support the Second Amendment, but you have a um, 
a policy idea of having biometrics used in yeah. um, in guns. Basically, like the the owner of the gun not having the gun would make sure that they weren't one firing it. Um, you were suggesting blockchain as a way to secure elections, which yeah. is sort of um, very unheard of in terms of the mainstream. So what is and you also were talking about I thought this was actually really interesting. I never heard of this before. Um, on your on website, I was talking about how you were going to implement technology to reduce the national debt. I'm actually yes. really curious about that. By when you say implement technology to help reduce the debt, uh, the, the national debt, what is it that you exactly mean by that? Yeah. So let's let's start first with um, the biometrics aspect. I think that that's incredibly smart. Like we're this technology is going to advance anyways. So why wouldn't we say, hey, as it continues to advance, when we say this technology, our gun technology, why wouldn't we make it so that we know that it's the owner of the gun that's having access to it or um, an individual that has permission from the owner to access their weaponry? I think that that's, that's a reasonable standpoint right there. And we have that technology available today. Uh, and then in terms of the blockchain voting, we use blockchain voting in Utah's 2020 election. It was awesome. You could use your mobile to log in and you could really cast your ballot from anywhere in the world. And it's it's better for the environment. It costs less money. So just being able to say like, yes, this is a great solution. And it would have prevented if we had used, you know, this voting across the nation, it would have prevented the conversations that we had uh, preceding the election for quite some time. And then in terms of eliminating the national debt, uh, so right now, one of the biggest problems that we have is that we do not know where our government spending is going. So we misappropriated, was the word, $662 billion, 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 billion. I don't know why, like, this number shocks me so much. That's a big number. It's a huge number. It's three quarters of a trillion dollars. Yeah. But billion dollars was misappropriated in 2021. And we don't find out about this until after the fact. If we have technology available today that we can tie to government spending, so anytime the government goes through and they, they you know, make a transaction, it writes that transaction. Then you start tying in other cool technology like machine learning and AI. And it makes it so that, oh, this money is about to go where it shouldn't. Nope. Sorry, you're not allowed to do that. It was it was appropriated to be spent on whatever X item is. And it's just so logical to me and so simple. And then, you know, right up front, it prevents that money from being wasted. And that's our money. And then it also allows us to look back at previous uh, spending expenditures and commitments that we've made and say, do these still align to the American people? Possibly get rid of additional corruption that we didn't know about. But but does this align to what we need in the future? And if it doesn't say, hey, thank you so much, but we're going to go ahead and end our contract with you. And then if it does, then we can continue on. But but that's going to be crucial to eliminating our national debt, which we can do in about 20 to 30 years. Absolutely. I mean, they're very interesting policy proposals, I'd say. I mean, why don't you say, Sam? Yeah. I mean, and and that's something else I want to talk to you a little bit about. So when we were talking about how independents are, I mean, there's that stigma around independent campaigns for like right. United Utah and things like that. Um, as a congresswoman, mm-hmm. Building coalitions is often a very important thing to actually getting things passed, especially in the House of Representatives. So what is your plan to build across party lines as probably one of the few 
independents in that Congress to get Republicans and Democrats to actually pass things like blockchain, pass things like biometrics and, and firearms, pass things like um, passing the technology to actually track the spending in Congress. Absolutely. So something that I found to be very interesting when I talk to a lot of people that work in Washington is is a lot of the individuals there are just um, perpetuators. So they just perpetuate information or whatever it is. They don't actually do the work. And what that means long term is you just have a small group that's actually delivering to you on a daily basis as you look towards your congressional leadership. When it comes to transcending party lines, I've actually had a lot of luck bringing in Republicans and Democrats from both sides, even in this campaign, individuals that say, yes, I, I can actually get behind this or this makes sense. And in in terms of like other leadership, uh, we're, we're actually doing this now where we're starting to lean in and talk with uh, our um, pardon me, our federal leadership and say, hey, here's our solutions. Will you take a look at this? Will you meet with us? And it doesn't matter what party they're in. But another th- reason, because because keeps this in mind, one thing that uh, if, if or if there's anything that Republicans and Democrats agree on, it's that they don't want anybody that's an independent candidate in, in Congress or in the Senate, because when you do that, it takes away the power that they have, because this is this is one thing that they can agree on. And the reason is, is because you have both the uh, Republicans and the Democrats suddenly having to come to this candidate and say, hey, uh, will you get on board with my bill where, you know, typically they just look, oh, there's just a party line there. You know, we just can count on this vote automatically. So so I think that we'll have a lot of luck in, in getting that buy-in and saying, hey, this is what it's going to do for you, right? If you just bring them the data, show how they can perpetuate, right? Like goodness and how their their uh, their constituency base will really like this legislation and how it helps them deliver on their promises. And then when you transcend that party line, you can also say, well, if you get on board with this legislation, then we can talk about yours. Let's go even a step further, too. You, you, on your site, you also say that you're for term limits. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would require a constitutional amendment, which is always um, one of the most difficult things to pass in our democracy. It is. Um, what is the way what what is your current because there's various different stances on what term limits would look like. What is your uh, stance on term limits and how would you also build the party line in the Senate to try to get that passed? Yeah, so I've taken a really pragmatic stance to term limits. So when I when I talk to other leaders, I say, well, would you go for two years of term limits? And then obviously, you know, that's that's out of the question. They wouldn't even consider that. And it's like, well, would you do six years? Would you do 12 years? And on those levels, there's a lot of resistance. But as soon as you start saying, would you support 18 years? You, you see the nods come to mind like, yeah, we could probably do 18 years. And uh, with that, like just calculate that out, that's six terms in Congress, three terms in the Senate, and it still allows people to go accomplish what they need to if they have benefits or whatever. They can still, we can probably discuss whatever those benefits are because we know that they're going to come up when we talk about this. But really, some people would say, you know, 18 years is a long time. But that's a whole lot less, or a whole lot less time than fifty years is. Right. So, uh, in terms of getting buy-in and support, it's really just talking with people. I know that there's uh, groups that advocate for term limits, and as soon as candidates 
commit to doing term limits. They raise them up and they help them get money and funding. So so it is going to have to be a coalition effort where we can't just have one person at a time. And then, again, I think once you start getting those um, people that are about to be aged out of Congress within mm-hmm. the next decade, I think that you'll start to see more people get elected that that would vote for term limits. When you say aged out, you mean like they're dying off or are you mean uh, <laughs> are you meaning like they're um, they're retiring and things like that? Yeah, like uh, when you when you look at how old they are, they they are in their 60s, 70s, 80s. One of them is almost 90. It's like 89 years old. Mm-hmm. These these people probably aren't going going to want to spend the last years of their life uh, focusing on the way that other people live theirs. Or they may not be here with us in 10 years. Um, So I think that that's going to bring about a huge shift in the way of our future. And and it's really time for us to choose what kind of leadership we want and to stop playing the toxic political game that's happening right now. Honestly, I feel like it's a really unique thing to sort of um, probably a good last question on that front sort of talk about because we have a the, our audience is mainly UVU students. Mm-hmm. I mean, eighteen to about thirty four is the mm-hmm. is the bracket we're sort of listening to. Although I will admit, the last semester our oldest graduate was seventy four. So that's God bless. amazing. <laughs> Seriously, God bless her. Right? Yeah. I, th- I actually think that's your class. Actually, was that uh, that if it was from? last year? Yeah, yeah, it would have been in my class. Definitely Gr- great people. Um, but I like yeah, it when a, sorry, hold on just a second. I really like when people are doing continuous learning throughout their lives. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's it's sort of incredible what the university can do for that. And with the age bracket that we have, um, I feel like a lot of people are sort of looking to office. My generation, I'm I'm 20 years old. I'm Gen Z. Mm-hmm. Um, sooner or later, my 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 age bracket, kids who were born after 2000, are eventually going to get to the age where they can run for Congress, where they can run for Senate, where they can run for president. So, as a millennial, as you described on your website. Um, what do you think the overall implication of the younger generation sort of picking up the tor- torch is? Uh, the implication, well, it's it's actually a really interesting question that, that you asked because right now it's last year only 22% of Gen Z actually voted. Um, so So if Gen Z continues to follow that path, then they will have the same influence over politics that millennials do. And even at our oldest age of 40, uh, we are only voting 50% at 50% of the population. And that's not, that's not enough. So I, I think that, uh, you know, if, if they continue to sit on the sidelines like we did, we're going to see the same terrible mistakes and terrible government that we've had for decades, right? Like my entire adult life has been, disappointing in terms of politics. Like I really want people that stand up and do the right thing for the people and um, always put the people first, right? That people centric government, I think I mentioned an app where, where people can produce feedback, but, but uh, if they, if they stood up and they actually fought for their rights and they didn't play the political game, keep in mind that the two party thing, it's just a political game at the end of the day. It's not, like the the issues are real, but what they're the way that they do it is not real. So I think if they adjusted their path, then they could probably be the greatest generation that ever lived on this planet, and they could make a real difference, and they could solve issues like world hunger, and they could bring about peace, and they could make it so that we don't have war. 
And, you know, they could set up generations that come after us for financial success. And I, I have a lot of hope for them, but I, I beg them not to make the same mistake that millennials made. That's incredible to hear. Yeah. I will, I will mention this to the readers. I was, we sort of, uh, not the readers, sorry. Readers. I, I, I'm the editor in chief <laughs> of the newspaper. That's just my fortune. <laughs> but, um, just for all the listeners who are listening in, make sure you register to vote. The deadline to do it online is at October 28th. As a matter of fact, mail-in ballots are going out today. So make sure you, if you're already registered to vote, to keep an eye at that in your mailbox. And, uh, Sam, would you have anything else to add over here? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think this is really interesting because that's something that I've seen in my personal life a lot as well. Is it's very divisive. Well, politics in general is very divisive. There's very few people that are kind of coming together in the middle, and that's something that I really like. So I was, you had a lot of really good points that I was really interested in. So yeah, thank you. And and you're not you're not alone. Like yeah. I said, the majority of people that are. Uh, 18 to 27. And when I say majority, you outregister Republicans and Democrats in the state of Utah. So you are the individuals with power. You're not part of the major parties. You don't you don't buy into it. And you're also and I know this because you're disenfranchised because you're not voting (laughs) either. You're not finding the candidates that actually believe and support you. And you know that, you know, if you if you continue playing the political game, that uh, it doesn't mean anything at the end of the day. But there are good people stepping up that are fighting for you. And if you rally behind them, whether it's me or somebody else, you're, you're going to have a lot of wins. Absolutely. Well, January, um, I just want to say thank you for actually uh, turning out. Um, and honestly, it's been an incredible conversation. Um, is there any last words you would like to offer? Because, um, I mean, this is a quite a big voting block here at UVU. I think the last <laughs> class we had was um, currently is about 44,000 students. So is there anything you would like to say to UVU students to say, hey, check January Walker out? Yeah, I mean, you can you can follow me online at Utah Politician. Uh, this is a way to reach me on any platform, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, uh, you know, Facebook, TikTok. I've been trying to do more TikToks. I, I think that they're somewhat fun. It kind of depends Absolutely. on the day. Have, did you see any of them? <laughs> I, I saw a few researching for this. Honestly, I feel like you have a very good knack for it, honestly. Oh, really? Yeah, absolutely. You I mean, should scroll back to the beginning. They were terrible. <laughs> I, I would have been, I, if I had come across them, I'd be like, eh, I won't vote. We're slowly, <laughs> we're slowly trying to inch our way into TikToks now with our social media guys, so I, I can get that. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, send it to me and I'll, I'll follow you back. You oh, know? absolutely. So hey, I think that'd be that. great. Uh, I'm trying to think here. There's so many things that that could be said. I think ultimately what it comes down to is uh, moderates, independents are not spoilers. Voting is crucial. Like there's a lot of things that are crucial to this process. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how much money or time or volunteer hours you put in. If you don't cross that finish line and you don't vote, it, it doesn't it doesn't help. And the other thing I would say is don't give up on the future. We're, we're going to make big changes. We're going to do some amazing things. And, you know, for, for myself, this isn't, this isn't where I end. I'm going to show up, win or lose, year after year after year after year until the people are truly put first in our government. We look forward to reporting on it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and one more thing, I really love the education that UVU gave me. Like, I, I started back in 2008, I think, at UVU, so quite some time ago. And took that little hiatus, came back. But 
there are a lot of valuable skills that, that they teach you on a day-to-day basis. And sometimes you look at it and you're like, how is this valuable or what does this mean? And and in the future, those skills will come up. And, um, you know, for, for people like me that had to learn those skills the hard way and then come back and realize that, that I could have just gotten my education and, and uh, achieve those skills, you know, maybe with a little bit more ease. I, I think that right. that's, that's a good thing to keep in mind. So you're at a great school. There's a ton of students here. They're going to do great things and, and uh, keep on, on trucking and, and you'll, you'll get good grades. I believe in you. <laughs> Can I get a hallelujah, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> hallelujah. My family's from the South, so I got to inch a few of those in there. Here Excellent. There. <laughs> That's perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you both for coming on and we will see you guys later. Thank you.